1: Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is Sunday night, a little after 7 o'clock. We were trying to get our, our, uh, Ducks our in a row. copy, like our <laughs> film copy down, so we had everything that we needed. Uh, but we're back to break down the Notre Dame game. We have dove into the film, and yes, Vince, we were correct. There was a lot of frustrating things on the film, but it was a mo- lot more fun oh, yes. watching it after a win. Yes. And, and that's always the case. That's usually the case. Sometimes I've coached against some teams that are really bad and we won, but I'm still really mad because of how we played against <laughs> an inferior team. That is not the case yesterday. This was a good win. It was an ugly win. Yep. It was a sloppy win, yep. but it was a hard fought win. And there were some glimmers of hope from this game that they can build on them. Right. So you can't say, Hey, play this way the rest of the year and you'll be fine. Nope. Got to get better. Right, but this was a good step in the right direction, and and that's kind of what a little bit of the focus of tonight's show is going to be on some things that worked, some things that were there that we thought were successful, that 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 you know we kind of believe as as we look at this team and what this team could be and should be, and all those other areas uh, are areas that we think, hey, you know what, keep building on this, and this team has a chance to do yeah. pretty good, and that's what the focus of of this show is going to be, Vince.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Everyone should start their day with a great cup of coffee. And for my family, that means the latest blend from Trade Coffee. My wife loves Trade Coffee. And when my parents were in town for the Notre Dame season opener, I turned them on to Trade Coffee as well. Let me tell you about Trade Coffee. It's a coffee subscription service unlike anything you've tried before because they partner with top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffees in the country direct to your home on your preferred schedule. Their team of experts do all the work, taste testing hundreds of coffees from across the U.S. every month to curate over 450 exceptional coffees that make the cut. The coffee we got from Trade was superb. My wife is very picky with her coffee. I've told you that before, so I trusted Trade Coffee and had her fill out their quiz. They sent us three different blends, and they batted a 1,000. We received the Holmes Blend from Sparrow Coffee in Michigan, the Big City French Roast from Joe Coffee in New York, and the Black Velvet from Atomic Roasters in Massachusetts. That's our collection, and trust me, we're adding to it. But if what I got isn't up your alley, don't worry. Trade will have whatever it is you want. You can shop their most popular coffees by roast or flavor profile, or you can take their coffee quiz and get expertly matched with coffees you'll love. So if you want to support small businesses and brew the best cup of coffee you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your first order plus shipping, at drinktrade.com slash irish that's drinktrade.com slash irish for $30 off try it out today yeah
2: and and again this is a we watched the film this is what we saw if we had a room in the goog and we were you know breaking down the film and talking to the players this is kind of how we would do it and these are the things that we noticed this is not a we need to fire the coaches we need to fire this player we you know what i mean it's not this kid needs to play it's more. Not it's not the purpose of this show. It yeah. is not the purpose of this show. So I just wanna for any first timers that are out there that have never been mm-hmm. on an upon further review show with us. We're breaking down the film like coaches. That's how we started kind of this whole Irish breakdown thing is we like to break down film. So the our, name. Yeah, this is yes. our favorite show, man. Like Vince, at
1: least it's mine. I, I really enjoy yeah. doing this show. Agree. Agree. Yeah. And and it gets us back to our roots to a exactly. degree. Exactly. There are always things, Vince, that you say, hey, when you watch the film, you come out of it feeling a lot better than you did. And the offensive line play was was even better than I thought. And, you know, you kind of watch it live and you're like, you know, they're just they're like five, six yard running them to death. There's like no big holes. Sure. And you're like, you know, they, they got to get better. And then you go watch film, and you're like, yeah, that's not going to get better until they start throwing a football. I mean, because right now. Well, exactly. I mean, I mean, a lot of guys making these places or plays or safeties. You know, exactly. linebackers coming from the outside that aren't respecting the run. So that's certainly a big part of it. But we are, Vince, going to kind of dive into, you know, some of the things that we have seen from this football team that give us a glimmer of hope. And I think the offensive line is a good place to start. I didn't think Jarrett Patterson played well live. And I always say I watch the back a lot, you know, and I'll kind of try to watch the replays at times. But I don't watch the line as much. But it just, there were several times I looked and and I watched it and I'm like, yeah, just Patterson just didn't play well. Apparently, after I broke down the film, those are the only times I saw Jarrett Patterson were the only times he had a mistake. (laughs) Cause I thought overall he played solid football, not great, but good solid football. He's still clearly not 100% but he definitely played better on the rewatch than I thought live. Now the false start, still a problem. Huge problem. And I'm going to chalk that up a little bit to the the four of them to more of Drew Pine than on the offensive line. And what I mean by that is not that I'm blaming Drew Pine. Although I do blame Drew Pine for the Braden Lindsey false start, we went back and watched that. Yeah, and what you see is Braden wasn't lined up. Now Braden has to get lined up. That's Braden's fault. But number one, the quarterback's job—you never call for the ball to be snapped until you know everybody's lined up. And Braden was still clearly walking, like trying to get on the line because the ref wasn't having it. it Wasn't marking him as on the line, so that's on the quarterback as well. Right. And then when you do change quarterbacks, you can have a cadence difference. I uh, I was talking to a friend last night. I still remember the Georgia Tech game in 2015, which was Deshaun Kaiser's first start, and Ronnie Stanley had like three false starts in that game because the cadence is different. And so we will uh, we'll dive. We, you know, I think we'll we'll see how that goes moving forward. That's that's you can you can use that excuse game one, game two, and game three. That that excuse is gone. You've now had two weeks of preparation with right. that quarterback. You've got to get you got to figure it out. Okay. Right. I thought Joe Walt played a really good game, mm-hmm. run, pass. I thought the right, the left side of the line was clearly the strength of the team. Including guy, the center, by the way. Well, that's like, so what I was going to say. Yeah. A guy that I thought played – I wouldn't I would say played great, but I thought pretty well after watching the film is Zeke Correll. Mm-hmm. I think the Mike Fire early in the game was not on Zeke. We're not going to draw that up, but basically a, a defensive lineman crossed his face. He can't pass up a guy that's crossing his face to go pick up on Mike. Jarrett Patterson needs to see that. And step in. He he saw that the guy went wide. He's got to come back to that. Jarrett Patterson right. missed that. So remember how we talked
2: last week about turning your shoulders and not being parallel to the line of scrimmage? That's what Patterson did. He turned his shoulders outside. So he didn't see the pressure coming. If he stays parallel and he gets a hand on the guy that was originally on his shoulder, he slants to the he slants to Jarrett's left, ends up getting picked up by Joe Alt. He can put a hand on that guy, but if he stays square, he's also then able to pick up that blitzer. And so that's what happens when you when you turn your body, your head turns too. you lose that peripheral vision that you need to see the different things that are coming. Remember that play, and this is an extreme example, but the, the uh, play when uh, Q picked up that blitzer in the Georgia game coming from the way right side, it's because he was square to the line of scrimmage and he had his head on a swivel. You know, so I mean, that's really, really important. And he, he just didn't do it on that play. And right. so I, I just he had wanted to throw He that turned out there. his
1: head right outside. Correct. You know, instead of kind of and, and turned his shoulders, like his his eyes took everything else there. Yes. Absolutely. Where when on the play you're referring to, Q looked inside, but he kept his shoulders square. His right. eyes didn't take his body yet. He, you correct. know, then he went out, then his body went with him so, because he saw someplace to go and help. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So that's something that obviously we'll need to get corrected, Vince. So mm-hmm. I, I want to talk a, about sort of the 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 play of the offensive line, mm-hmm. right? And and we're going to go – I thought the run game was blocked a lot better than I thought. Now, there, it was not perfect, but there were clearly – Cal had zero respect for Drew Pine pulling the ball and keeping the edge. They came hard from the backside a lot. They were constantly getting 8-9 in the box post-run – Meaning like once they came down, they, the safeties were not respected in terms default. They took advantage of it a couple of times in the past game, which we'll get into, but not nearly enough. And and they'll need to do more down the road. But again, I did think, Vince, that we saw some really good things and, and specifically so. You can't be good running the football if your center doesn't play well. Right. Agreed. And I thought Zeke played a good football game. So it moved his feet a lot. You know, right. there, and he was going to get some, the smallest was, guy he was going up against was 315 pounds. That was the point I was going to make. He, and he, he had a
2: challenge this week yeah. as far as an individual one-on-one matchup, right? Mm-hmm. Because it was a guy with a lot of size. And we've talked about Zeke Corral being undersized in the past. That's why he didn't do so hot at guard. And we, you know, his better position is at center because you can be a little bit more undersized. You're doing a lot of double teaming, things like that. Mm-hmm. But you're right. There was a 315, I think a 355 uh, pounder on him as well, if I remember off the top of my head. But I mean, he was dealing with some girth up right. the middle. And, and I he thought was he was getting himself. movement. Yes, I thought he handled He was getting well. movement. Yeah. yeah,
1: he played with good pad level. He kept his feet moving. He And there was even times, Vince, where he was, one thing he was not doing well yesterday is he was taking too narrow, so like on down blocks, he was taking like too narrow of a of a down block angle, which was allowing our guys to kind of get over the top of them a little bit. Oh, I got you, but yeah. he was recovering well and getting mm-hmm. a body on, which then allowed the backs to run by. So clearly there's still some things to work on. He competed his tail off, he moved his feet, he played with good pad level, and he was effective. And so we're going to cause, uh, we're going to cause a couple, we're going to look over a <laughs> couple things uh, to uh, just ignore it. Uh, we, I know what you're responding to. Just ignore it, okay? Yes, sir. Um, we're gonna call, kind of call up a couple plays that yep. that that show examples of what we're talking about. Now, I thought Josh Lugg and Bright Blake Fisher were the weak side of the line, mm-hmm. and I thought Blake really struggled to get movement. He wasn't playing confidently. He wasn't coming off with the same push that Jarrett Zeke and Joe Alt were. Uh Saint Joe Josh Lug just he just stops his feet too much, Vince. He had a couple really nice blocks. One we're gonna show, but overall he's just gotta play better, man. He's a six-year yeah. senior. I'm holding right. him to a higher standard than I am Blake Fisher, who just Me had too. his fifth career start. You right, know, he's no, gotta right. play better.
2: And that's a that's a really good point. And there were a couple of plays where uh Josh would get up to the second level and just kind of get he looked like he was lost yeah. almost. And he just he's just not moving his feet well. He's not getting from point A to point B very well, he's not tracking linebackers as well as he should be at this point, being mm-hmm. a six-year senior. And you and I have talked about it in the past. Guard is a better fit for him than tackle, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And he's not really proving me right at this point. Which Because well, <laughs> he's just not moving his feet. Not, he's just not playing. The fundamentals of it are just not going very well for him right now. You know, And when he gets up to the second level, he's got to be able to break down, find that guy, right. and then drive. And he's just looking a little bit lost.
1: But I think that you said the fundamentals because we're about to drop a play that I think shows when he does move his feet. Yes, he was effective. The whole line was effective. And we're gonna we're gonna bring up an inside zone play here. This is a run to Chris Tyree yesterday. And so we're gonna, we're gonna have a little fun here getting in the film room, everybody. All right. So Vince on this particular play. Let me just get this notepad out of the way <laughs> and uh, get this bad boy a little bit closer here. But on this particular play, you're going to see Notre Dame, they're running inside zone this way, so it's to the offense's left, okay? So on this particular play, zone is basically combo blocks up to a certain point. So this is the left guard and the and the center. So we talked before last week, it's covered, uncovered. So on this particular play, Zeke Carell has no one on his shoulder, so he is considered an uncovered player, Okay. Jarrett Patterson has a defender lined up and some people call this a one technique. Some people call this a two eye technique. Either way, mm-hmm. he has a defender lined up on his inside shoulder. So these two will communicate right here on working together. And then the Joe alt space, just blocking out there on that guy. Correct. Okay. So these two are going to work here to here. They are responsible for that. And then backside, you have the left guard here and the left tackle here. Now, this is going to be to me. This call needs to be that Josh Lug is on is is covered because I believe this is more of a three technique, Vince. I, I don't mm-hmm. know if you agree with that. That's more of a three technique, yep. he's on the and shoulder. then not a four eye. So I think Blake is uncovered. So I agree, these two are going to work together. On you can't really see that defensive tackle, he's stacked right in front of the linebacker, but basically they're going to work on this level. And essentially, what happens is, is they're going to Combo block on the first level, and depending on which way the linebacker goes and which way the defender goes, is going to determine who stays on the block and then who works to the second Which is level. where
2: the communication that we talked about the first Correct. two games comes Correct. into play.
1: So what happens is, is this defensive lineman slants outside here, and Blake kind of picks him up, <clears throat> right? So they're running away, so they don't necessarily need to get him. And then this linebacker crashes here. He crashes A-gap. So these two work together, and Josh Lugg sees it pretty well, Vince – and comes off and blocks it down and washes it down. And then what happens is, is this guy goes here, right? So this defender goes outside of Jarrett Patterson, and Jarrett Patterson just drives him outside, drives him out. And then this linebacker here crashes down here, okay? So Zeke and Jarrett get a really nice initial block, and then you see the linebacker crash, Vince, and I thought they, I thought they blocked it pretty well. Excuse me, I got to get onto the other screen. I got to get over here. So this uh, cord's kind of getting in my way. Let me move it. All right. So <laughs> hold on a second. <laughs> got to get this back here. So uh, let me pull up the next version of that play, Vince, to kind of show people what it looked like after because again we unfortunately we cannot show, show
2: the live video uh, we can't show it. the actual yeah. live
1: video because we would we would like to be able to monetize this video thank you very much and get this play blocked so here it is this is the play post snap so this is what you see post snap on this particular play okay so then what happens here is you remember the previous play there was this number eight was here and number 51 was here okay 51 crashed that backside a gap. This is actually a run to the left. This is Zeke Carell right here. <laughs> this is Josh Lug right here. They've actually switched on this because what happens is, is Josh Lug steps down that defensive lineman crosses his face and Josh just washes him just all takes the him. way over here. And that's right? where
2: when you're blocking yeah. somebody and he wants to go that way and it, Take him. I mean, use his right. momentum against him. That's what him. I love what about Josh zone.
1: Yeah. And this is Jarrett Patterson here. So you actually have your left guard here, your your uh, right guard here, and your center is right there. Okay, so then what happened here is is Lug or Patterson and Correll, who are usually here and here, were working a combo block to here. Well, that guy slanted outside, which Patterson took him, and then the linebacker crashed inside. So what Zeke did is Zeke came off hit the linebacker, drove his feet, and then took this linebacker who crashed here and drove him out. And then you see that hole for the inside zone. right? That's one of the biggest holes they've had all season. That ends up being like about a... I think they ended up getting like 11, 12 yards on this because look how close down the safety is right there. Right, That's who's making these plays. So until the RPO game, the vertical RPO game, not just behind the line of scrimmage RPO game, and until the pass game in general and the receivers block better, things like that, this is going to continue to happen. But... It gives your backs a chance where you're in space and it's you versus a DB, and Audrick runs over the guy and he ends up getting like I think like 11 yards in the play. Well, and
2: but that, this and is. Go ahead go, I was just gonna say go when on, go you're ahead. when as a coach when you're drawing up a play, okay, you account for everybody that's in the box, all right. When you're drawing mm-hmm. up a play, you don't account for the safeties generally because you say to yourself, okay, my guy, my running back versus a safety, I'll take I'll take that. You know what I mean? And that's usually how you draw it up. And to your point, until they can get a vertical passing game going, those safeties are going to cheat up and they're going to be the ones making the tackles after a five, six, seven, eight yard gain. You've got to, by virtue of your play calling and your execution, take those safeties and make them worried about the perimeter and the vertical passing game. That obviously wasn't the case yesterday. So even though the line played better, there were no big runs because the safeties were not respecting the deep ball and they were up close and they were what their eyes were peeking in the backfield and they were ready to come up. Eventually I would like to see Notre Dame take advantage of that. Right. And then you're going to get some looser safeties and things like that. And then you're going to see some more explosive running plays. As long as the offensive line continues to get better and better and you know every game kind of gel more and the communication gets better and that's the other thing I want to point out while you're looking for the next one Brian is that (laughs) the reason the reason I'm not hey fire this offensive lineman and fire this offensive lineman is because this is the first time these five guys have played together and it takes a little bit of time to understand each other's verbal and nonverbal cues on the offensive line and you don't just want to throw away the Time that they've had together, right? I think there is some validity to that where you're going to give these guys an opportunity to keep gelling and getting better. And if they can continue at this point, let's say they take another step next week against North Carolina, right? Now you're into the bye week. If they're not, if they don't take another step, the bye week's a chance to reevaluate and see if there's another way to go. The value, the bye week is a really good opportunity to do that. But if they take another step against North Carolina, now the bye week is. Let's continue to gel. Let's keep getting better and keep getting better and keep getting better. And then you keep moving on for the rest of the season.
1: So, Vince, we kind of – there's some other plays I want to kind of get into. I thought inside zone was an effective play for Notre Dame in this game. Another effective play for Notre Dame in this game I thought was the count was counter. I thought the counter play was their probably their next best play. And the thing that I liked about it, again, is I thought they did a good job of getting movement at the point of attack. And really being able to kind of get downhill and open up run lanes, to be honest with you. And I thought that was obviously a a, a positive from this, uh, you know, from this game, in my opinion, was kind of getting that kind of movement going. And I thought one of the things that we saw from this game, too, was let me try to find this play here real quick, because for some reason it's not showing up in my album. Mm -hmm. But, you know, actually, I just kind of have the whole. So, yeah, so that's all that I had. So let me find that play real quick. But I thought counter was another play where I thought Notre Dame was able to have some success getting room to work with the running backs. And it wasn't like huge room to work, but it was like enough to where you kind of felt like, okay, you can work with this. Right. But I think it also shows, again, what what we're seeing is, is they've got to do a better job of moving their feet, because this is an example of this is Chris Tyree on a counter run. Do you know what that is right there? This thing Uh right here? You know what that is? No, <laughs> oh, no. But do you see oh, that thing that's in leg. the hole? That's, somebody's that's leg. Josh Lugg's leg, right? Because he stopped moving his feet. Now, he pushed yeah. the guy, but he stopped moving his feet. But you yeah. got a nice little crease here, right? But yeah, he has to then kind of the avoid Josh Lug's yeah. leg to mm-hmm. kind of get in the way. Those are those things where you did a nice job, but you need to take it to the next level. Yeah. Right. And and just get a little bit more of a push. And then again, there's a say, a DB, an overhang guy just standing right there, just waiting to play, because there's no fear of pulling and throwing a bubble or pulling a thrown RPO or banging a quick slant or a quick RPO post behind, which a lot of teams really do. They'll run those glance routes or slant routes or, you know, quick posts off RPOs to say, hey, if you're going to bring these safeties down, we're going to pull that sucker and throw behind it. Clearly, Notre Dame doesn't have the confidence in their quarterback or their receivers right now to m- run those plays, which is a shame. Because yeah, if you can't do that problem. stuff, you're eventually yeah. – this is yeah. going to happen all game. Correct. Right? But I thought inside zone and counter were the two plays that Notre Dame had the most success with yesterday. And what you're seeing here is, I mean, you're seeing them the, – these are the tight ends on kickouts. You've got Blake Fisher uh, kind of – you know, Blake Fisher's here kind of iso-blocking this. And, yeah, Josh Lugg was uh, pulling on this particular play. That's how Josh got turned there. Right? I That's how it. your right guard got turned there. I thought the tight end blocking at the point of attack yesterday was average to below average. What I thought the tight ends did a pretty decent job of yesterday, Vince, was the movement blocks. The counter blocks were better yesterday than they than they had been in the previous two games. So at least that's a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. But you're seeing more room to run here, right? And that's the thing for me that is is kind of effective here is you're seeing you're seeing them kind of come out and get more. Hey, look. Uh, we're moving them a little bit more, you know. We're we're we're, right. we're able to kind of go out there and and create some looks where, okay, you know, yeah, you're not blowing them off the ball, but you're at least getting a little bit more of a push. And those are the things that I saw yesterday. Now, finish a little bit better, right? Sure. Yep. And 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 you know, all five are got to get on the same page more. Absolutely. You know. And so, no, I think I was, those are yeah. the aspects. Yeah.
2: I was disappointed in the right side, to be honest with you. Um, there there were some plays where. I felt like Josh, you know, didn't continue to move his feet, as you had mentioned. And I felt like, you know, and and again, I have to keep reminding myself that this is Blake Fisher's fifth start. Okay. Mm -hmm. He's a young kid, but there are times there, there was one play where they got him out in front of, I want to say that it was a, it was a, uh, not a screen, but like a bubble, but they got him out in front of it. He just looks lost in space. Right he looks now.
1: unsure of himself yes yeah, exactly that's a much me. better
2: way to put it i agree he, he looks yeah. unsure of what he's going to do he looks unsure of his feet and his movement and and things of that nature you know i think that'll get better with time i mean we know that he's an impressive athlete we know what his pedigree is but i just want to I, that right side has got to be better otherwise you're going to be left-handed in your run game and that's obviously not going to be great uh as long as the left side continues to mature and get better as they go forward but i I was really impressed with Joe Alt. I thought he had a really, really good game, and I will also say, in pass protection, as a five, I thought they did a pretty darn good job. Look, Drew Pine had an opportunity to make some plays in the pocket. I mean, there were
1: Mm -hmm.
2: a lot of time in the pocket. I thought the communication on pass plays outside of that Mike Fire that we talked about at the beginning, Mm -hmm. I thought the pass
1: protection was pretty
2: darn good. You know, even I, on
1: throws where they rid guys out and Drew just had to climb. He had a clean pocket yeah. to climb into. Yeah. Right. I thought Jarrett's pass pro for the most part. There's one time he gave up a pressure, but it was a pressure. Vince. Where The guy kind of beat him around on, a, on like a twist. Yeah. But even then, he, he got beat, but he still kept the body on. So the guy wasn't right. able to come off and make the sack. Right. And exactly. that's where you want to be. Yeah. Right. That's where you want to really be agree. at this point in time. Yep. So speaking of pass game, Vince, I agree with you. I thought when that happened, I said, here we go. I looked at you and I said, Here we go again. Like, the same old stuff, great. right? Haven't yeah. fixed a thing. And they really yeah. did. It was that mistake, and then they really cleaned it up after that. And and it allowed them to do some things. Now, overall, the pass game had a lot of missed opportunities. I thought that the downfield pass game to the wide receivers was almost non-existent in this game. I mean, it really was almost, it was literally almost almost non-existent, right? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, they're just guys weren't getting open. I mean, they were, they didn't call a lot, but the stuff they Mm -hmm. did call, you just, you had guys not getting open, not working off routes, not running good routes, coming off slow. Like they knew they weren't getting the ball. They got to figure that out in a hurry because you cannot beat good teams consistently, if you're not even trying to throw the ball outside or down the field.
2: Uh, Yeah, no, completely agree with that. And that's, I mean, look, Ian Book was really good at a lot of things, but he was limited throwing it downfield. And so how did Notre Dame get beaten big games? Load the box, you know, prevent all Mm -hmm. that short stuff. And now you've defeated Notre Dame's offense. Notre Dame can't be one-dimensional in that regard. They have to be able to push the ball down the field. My hope is that, you know, the wide receivers number one get better, right? Get some mm-hmm. separation and all of those different things. And number two, that Drew Pine is—I think Drew Pine's willing to throw the ball down the field. I don't—I don't see that as necessarily well, we'll being. S-
1: hopefully, hopefully, but we'll see. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. I also think schematically they need to do more things to design receivers' opportunities to get the ball down yeah. the field. And I thought they did a, a, a good job on that a couple of plays yesterday. I wanted to drop a couple of plays that I thought. This is Tommy Reese at his best, and they worked out for big plays, Vince. And we're going to talk about the two big plays to the run game, okay? And so the first one here it is, right here, is this is the the touchdown pass to Chris Tyree. Mm -hmm. So I want to show you the pre-snap look and what made this play effective. So Notre Dame is in 21 personnel, okay? So that is 21. That's two running backs, one tight end, two receivers. They ran 21 is is a decent amount, which I really like. A lot. Yeah, a lot. Yep. That's Audric Estime there. This is Chris Tyree here, okay? And that's the tight end right there, two receivers, okay? So 21 personnel. So that's what Notre Dame is lined up in. Then you can see Cal. I mean, Notre Dame's in a split backfield, so Cal can basically play their normal alignment, which is basically, it vents a lot of kind of cover two to the field against mm-hmm. a, sort of a one receiver set and then kind of four to the field. So you have a cornerback here. You have a safety deep here, a safety deep there, and then this cornerback is up, okay? And then you've got end, Linebacker, linebacker. Okay, so sort of a base Notre Dame offensive look and a base cow look. So what they did on this particular play that I really liked, Vince, and I'm gonna just draw it up, bring it up here real quick. I know where this one is, so just bear with me. Okay, what they did on this particular play is this is the post snap, this is the pre snap movement, and this is right after the ball. So what happened was we saw the previous play, and you had Estime over here, and right before the snap, Estime takes off running. This is right when the ball is snapped. So as soon as Estime started to take down, remember the safety that was deep here? He starts coming Coming down. down. That movement, and they knew that. That's why they ran this play. That's why they ran that motion is because that could get that back to come down here because once Estime went in motion, they're technically in a three-receiver side, right? Because you had already had one back to that side in the receiver. Now you're in a three-receiver side. If he stays back, they're completely out-leveraged and outnumbered to the field if they're going to run some kind of you know bubble screen or something like that. So he has to kind of come down and get into the alley. So that takes the safety out of the play. Then that leaves Chris Tyree man-to-man <laughs> man against that linebacker, and he destroyed him. I mean, oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't even think the linebacker knew that he I was supposed to move. Yeah, it. he he, yeah. he stepped out, and then Chris Tyree beat him right inside, got up the seam. Okay? Really well-designed play. Really well-designed play. Yeah, really then was. they just ran verticals here. To occupy them, they ran a vertical here. So it's basically four verts with and to, Chris to Tyree being the fourth vert
2: too. to occupy right. that that other safety. I'm pointing at right. the screen like you can see it, right? But like the other safety was occupied by the two verts on the other side, right? And, so and if he, he comes
1: looked- here, then you can always go back to Mayor, correct? Right? Exactly. But I want to. But they were they were trying to throw this ball to Chris Tyree there yes. is 100% i am 100% certain of that and the reason i believe that is you the, the best part of that play which we did not talk about last night that we absolutely need to talk about as part of this play as far as why this play worked is what drew pine did a, after the snap so i'm going to find i'm going to find this here real quick because i thought drew pine really makes this play work Vince. so this is that same play okay so if you go back and watch it from the live copy So Chris Tyree is right here winning this route right here. That's where they're going with the football. They everybody knows it on offense. Tyree knows it. Drew Pine knows it. The receivers Mm -hmm. know it. And Drew knows that the defense might know it. Look at his eyes, Vince. He is looking here. He also gave a little pump. Yep. And as soon as he did that, the safety turned his hips towards Michael Mayer. And as soon as that happened, it's ball game. The whole point Chris Tyree gets that way. Is to occupy the safety. He and looks you- him off with his eyes, exactly. Yeah. And then the pump fake is when – because, like, what happened was is Drew was looking over there, and the guy was working out, but he wasn't flipping his hips. Mm-hmm. So what Drew did by doing a little pump fake is that's when he kind of – he did yeah. a pump fake in Mayor's direction, just like a little like this. As soon as that happened, that guy turned his hips. Once his hips are done, there's over. not a safety in the NFL. There's not a safety in college football that can be that far outside Flip right. his hips towards Mayer and then come back and catch Chris Tyree, oh, you know, in I mean, the seams any running back. Period. Yeah, exactly. Davis yeah. Sherwood, yeah. Joe Alt could be running that seam route and a tackle <laughs> eligible, and that safety's not going to have enough time to get back over there. He right. played tight end in high school. He right. Did. And and so really, really good play design. But if the quarterback doesn't look that off, if 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 he drops back and just kind of looks at Tyree, that safety comes over and he's all over it. Mm -hmm. So it was great design, Vince. It was great execution. And Drew, that's the kind of play that you need to see. You need to see Drew get more chances to execute. And then, of course, Drew needs to execute it and make those throws. And at times Saturday, he did not. This also came right after, I think the next series, after he got his butt chewed out by Tommy Reese. I believe this was the next series. right.
2: So Because the next series was when he fumbled.
1: And then he and got I his Freeman by Freeman. But like Mark they had, Freeman, okay.
2: They didn't score. So, he, so
1: after his back-to-back butt chewings, this is yeah, the next series, yeah, and he leads correct. him right down the field. Yep. So Drew yeah. fumbles the yep. ball, right? Yep. So yep. I'm going to yep. look at my notes. Drew fumbles yep. the ball. Yep. They lose it the did. ball. The yep. very next series, he cut, he leads them down the field on a touchdown pass and yep. throws a touchdown pass. Yep. Right? That's, that's what you want to see from a kid, right? You screwed Absolutely. up. Everybody here knows it. So we can either bench you, scream at you, yell at you, tell you you suck like everyone in the message board did. Or you can get your butt chewed out. Tell you what you need to do, and then you need to go back out there and do it. And guess what? He went back out there and did it. And you know that's that's coaching, and that's what a quarterback yeah. needs to do if he's gonna if he's gonna be the leader of this football team. I so I want to get to a, another a couple other things, to your two, two events in the past game that I thought was I really liked, and it was a, the the way that the the, the play to Audric Estime uh, that came out in the 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 set up the Michael Mayer touchdown, which by the way. The the route that Michael Mayer put on that guy was just absurd. Oh. That was absolutely absurd. Look, what Michael Mayer playing
2: at another level when it comes to his routes and yes. catching the football and all. He's at another level right now. Yeah, and he, he's making plays for this offense when sometimes there's no plays to be made. And so right. I, I just want to. I mean, well, everybody with eyeballs yeah. can see how good Michael Mayer is in the pass game, but. Even the yeah. nuances were really good in the past. Now,
1: of course, I would like to see him, you know, block somebody. I, that would be nice. Completely, completely you know, completely agree with that. Yep. But uh, at least in the run game, we're seeing him do some really good things. So, the next play that I want to bring up, Vince, is the uh, to Audric Estime.
2: Yes, the thirty. Because yard. I
1: thought that was a really, really interesting play because it did not actually go how I thought it did watching it live, which is partly why we go into the film review. So Notre Dame is again in 21 personnel, right? So they're again in 21 personnel, two backs, two receivers, one tight end. This is Audrick Estime here. And then they put, he started off in the backfield in the same alignment they were. And then before the snap, they just kind of moved him. It wasn't a motion. It just, hey, it was just a move, like a shift. They Mm -hmm. put Chris Tyree here. Now, this is second half. Chris Tyree has been ripping Cal, right? He had the pass play. He's had a couple screens. He's been hurting with the, with the pass. Now, all of a sudden, look at what Cal's defense is doing, right? Corner, nickel, safety, safety, <laughs> <laughs> right? They're a lot more concerned about Chris Tyree now than they were before. Yeah. Okay, and then you've got linebacker, linebacker, defensive end. So, what we thought live was that this alignment, which, again, I liked – Caused you know having Chris Tyree here meant that Audric Estime was going to run his angle route against this guy, which is a matchup I like. Right. Well, that's not exactly how the play went down, Vince. How the play went down was they actually blitzed him, the Jackson Sermon, and the defensive end dropped into coverage. That's an even that's actually match. how the play went down. That's an even which I thought. Match. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I thought the play was designed well. No matter what they did. But how how they defended it kind of post-snap, how Cal defended it post-snap and, and what their post-snap movement was made that play even more effective. And I'm going to try to uh, – I, I believe I have that play draw, brought up up, up brought up here, so I'm going to try to get to it here real quick. Um, just me Don't be laughing, Vince. This, this is funny.
2: You're
3: making me laugh, man.
1: I'm not making you laugh. You're You're choosing to laugh, which I understand. <laughs> I would be too if I was you. But the plays, like I labeled all the plays, right? And then the stupid program that we're using doesn't bring over the labels. Doesn't show your labels. So, so you gotta, yeah, yeah, and it, it doesn't put them in the same order of what I put them in. Oh, so geez. it really is not helpful, even a little bit. So uh, I don't even know if this play made it over there. So yeah, it looks like that play did not make it over into the file. So let me see if I do have that, and see if we have the estimate post-snap, and then we'll put that – yeah, it looks like I don't have it in there. So, anyway, you'll see the play. We'll draw it back up here, Vince. We'll put it up back this way. So, anyway, so what happens was because they get in here, this actually plays right into Notre Dame's hands. Oh, man. Because now they put a defensive end in coverage against Estime, and then that angle route hits, and it really, really went for a big play. So, yeah, uh, I liked liked the call regardless – but cal i mean this is what you say you you, when you talk about why do you have to be real careful with your blitzing vents because this is one of those times you chose to blitz here Mm -hmm. and your blitz allowed notre dame to get into a matchup that you really are not going to win you're you're you're, there aren't a lot of running backs for teams that have a pulse that you're going to be able to put a defensive end on coverage in him on an angle route and have success and and you're just not going to
2: do it in cal's defense they had no idea that estimate was going to run a an angle route, but right? That's I my, mean, no, no,
1: but that's, right. that's my point. That's yeah, why you exactly. have to be careful right. with how much you blitz, right? Because you because no, are going to get caught in these
2: things, but it's like, right. You're taking a chance. Like if he just stays in the block or something like that, you're good and you're bringing pressure right. and you're, you're good, but he ran an angle route and it wasn't good for Cal Uh and, right. and, Notre Dame, and here's the key Notre Dame executed it and they did what they were supposed right. to do and it was good. So, Hey, that that's football coaching, man. Like you take chances and you hope that the other team is doing something different so that you can be successful. And and there's a lot of gambling that takes place. You know, for example, double safety blitz uh, against mm-hmm. Ohio. State. There's some gambling mm-hmm. that takes place, and sometimes you get yeah. burned, and sometimes you connect. Right. So mm-hmm. it's just, that's just how coaching goes, man.
1: Yep. So, but that's also why do you call that play if you're Notre Dame? Because you're getting a lot of linebacker fires. Because what you're actually right. trying to do there is you're either trying to get an ISO against the linebacker, or if they bring a linebacker fire, you're going to run right behind him, right? In a catch and run. Almost so the, it ended it up might, being the same you know, thing. But I've you're run calling run. that. But you're calling that sort of yeah, it's Yeah, I mean, yeah hey, you're he, trying to get a guy in space, take advantage of the blitz. But right. you're calling that because they're bringing so many linebacker fires. That's why you're calling that play. So Notre Dame didn't just, uh, what should we run here? Uh, let's try this angle route. Why were the angle routes a part of this? And they ran five or six of them in this game. This is mm-hmm. the one that they threw. But why were they a part of what they're doing? Because they're like, that one time we catch them, and that's why you run it a few times, because the one time we catch them in a linebacker fire, and I think they brought both linebackers on this play, which is why the end drives. Yeah, right. It yep. is why it, is why it works. Now, it wasn't all roses for the Notre Dame offense. No, there were a lot of missed opportunities in this game. And and the reason we're going to show these is partly to say this is the kind of stuff that can happen, but also to show that, like, it's still an execution problem. Mm-hmm. It's not guys not being able to get open and all that other kind of stuff. It still comes down to you've got to be able to execute simple stuff. And we're going to show a couple examples here, Vince. This is, I think, what, first, first play of the game? I believe mean, this is the first play of the game. <laughs> Right, talk about trying to as a coach design a way to get your quarterback some easy right. throws. Right, I mean, what is that? Right, <laughs> no, it's the first that. play of the game. I mean, I don't know if I could design a better situation than to have that much room to work for my quarterback to make that short of a throw. And, and, <laughs> and look where the defenders are. By the way, there is like, what defenders? Ex- well, that's my point. So, like
2: the corner. <laughs> Failing because you're running them off, right? Right. And there's no linebackers following him. I mean, this is literally pitch and catch, and it was not executed well. And you know whether whether Drew was just too hyped or whatever, you just you can't spike this into the ground. Then that is what he did.
1: Right. And you know, Vince, this is the kind of thing we saw a lot Saturday, and this is the kind of thing that you know we're going to show more examples of here. Because the reality is, is when you're playing a team like Cal, you can get away with this because Cal is a quality team, but they're not a great team. You know, right. they're, they're, they're a decent team, but, you know, you can make mistakes like this and, and get away with it and, and get W's.
0: Right.
1: But what you can't do is run plays like this and have missed opportunities like this against good teams. Because when right. you play good teams, you're going to have gonna these good. kind of you're, you're going to get yeah. beat. It's going to hurt you. It's going to cost you a game. And it almost cost him this game, but fortunately for Notre Dame, uh, Cal is not a great team, decent team, but not a great team. Here's another example. Similar play. This is later in the game. This is your all American tight end. And this is all this room to work. Almost exactly just same into the
2: ground. Receiver, essentially. Pretty much. Pretty much was.
1: Now, and this is Joe Wilkins blocking no one. He just tried to throw a shoulder in the guy. This guy runs free. This guy runs free. Now, this is a double missed opportunity because if Joe Wilkins makes this block right here and just mm-hmm. shows any kind of quality technique, it's Michael and Drew Pine hits that. It's Michael Mayer is Versus outside the, the hash. And the only person not outside not over here outside that hash is this defensive lineman and this five foot 10, 175-pound corner. I mean, as a play caller, it's like, what else am I supposed to do? Now, here's the thing. As a play caller, your job is, what the heck else am I supposed to do? As the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, your job is to coach those guys up in a way where they don't make those kind of mistakes and they execute the the game better, right? I mean, that's all part of it, right? I mean, so, you are like, hey, as a play caller, everything is is rosy. As a, you know, as a guy that uh, is – Designing the offense, then yeah, I understand. It's 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 frustrating. So there's another play that we're gonna we're gonna uh, draw up here, Vince, and this is the seam route to Michael Mayer. Mm-hmm. Another now, this is route, another right? missed opportunity. Another missed yeah. opportunity. So on this particular play, it's third and nine because Notre Dame was in a third and four, and they all started. fall started. So Notre Dame is basically running their their all go concept again, right? So what that means is all verts concept is. Everybody's running a vertical route on the outside or a seam route on the inside. Now, any team that knows how to coach all verts knows that you have conversions built in. Meaning, if you're running a go route right here and this corner bails at the snap, then you're going to run to a specified depth and stop. Either Some teams will do comebacks. Some teams will just do stops. Depends on uh, you know how they teach it. And then inside, you have routes where you're going to kind of work upside this seam. You're going to work upside this seam. You have to make sure the spacing is good. Like this guy right. can't get into here. You right. got to avoid that. You've got to work outside this seam, have proper spacing. Right. And then we if this talk- guy kind of bails, right.
2: Yeah. Right. We always of numbers, numbers, seam, seam numbers, just to right. have landmarks correct. for kids to, to find. And the
1: landmarks will be different in high school for college oh, because of the, the different. For, correct. Yeah. Correctly. Exactly. So uh, you have to get on your landmark. So what happens here is this guy bails. Okay, and this guy bails and then Michael Mayer runs up the seam. They brought I think it was this guy fired and this guy dropped. So what happened was is Mayer gets up the seam and the linebacker kind of drops underneath Mayer. So the mistake that Drew Pine made and what he has to do is Mayer is going to kind of have an opening here. He's got to throw that ball out into space and let Mayer go get it. That's what he has to do. And what he tried to do was throw it over the linebacker with some zip. Now, you can throw it over the linebacker, but you've got to put a little bit of touch on it to right. get it up over him to allow Mayer to kind of keep running and go up and get it. But the ideal decision here is to throw that ball over the middle, Vince, because what happened was is when they brought this fire, this guy here, this guy here, there was a big window right here, and it should have been about as easy of a third and a nine conversion as you're going to have. Correct. And when you're watching this game, Vince, it's like these are the kind of things that you constantly see that say, you know, you you just can't have these kind of mistakes because these aren't these aren't play calling mistakes. You know, these aren't, you know, and we'll show one more here.
2: That's why Tommy Reese is so
1: upset. He's like, right. Well, but you know what? Your job is to teach these A coordinators responsible Mm -hmm. for a team not executing as well. No, no. Position coaches, position coaches got to take some of this too. Here's another example. You've got a tight end blocking. This is a this was a design swing screen to Chris Tyree. It goes for like one yard. Okay. You got the tight end, has this guy sealed, and then a defensive lineman chasing there. And then this is Lorenzo Styles, who literally blocks no one. He literally was here, Vince, and he just ran right down there and blocked no one. This is him falling down after trying to react to block him. So, first of all. The corner was up and the safety was deep. I think he should have blocked the corner. Some teams well, never ask. Yeah. Huh? I was going to say Some that's... teams will. Go ahead, Vince. I was just going to say, depending on how
2: it's taught, you you, uh-huh. you go with first threat. And first threat is that mm-hmm. corner, not safety.
1: Yeah. We did MDM. Most dangerous man is oh, how we taught it. Yeah. MDM. Some teams will just always say block the safety. All I hate. Right. I, th- I think that's stupid. I think that's like 20 years ago stuff. It's blocked the most dangerous man. Yeah. I want the running back going against the guy that has the most ground to cover to get to him is my thing. But even if you just block him, then you've got Chris Tyree in space. But what ends up happening is Tyree is here and both of these guys kind of close in the football and there's really nowhere for him to go. But it's just another opportunity, another example, Vince, of offensively, you're just not executing simple stuff. You're not blocking a safety. You're not blocking a corner. You're not coming down and getting certain guys. And those are the type of things that you're just seeing way too much of from the receivers. And it's a sophomore like Lorenzo Styles or a fifth-year guy like Joe Wilkins and everybody can't in between. Have it. And, like, Tobias Merriweather comes in the game. He's supposed to go in motion. He doesn't go. Play gets blown up. And we don't see him again the rest of the game. That's true. Okay, I can't trust him. Here's my point. How is that any different than what Joe Wilkins did twice on Saturday? How is that any different than Lorenzo Styles right there whiffing on two straight guys? How is that any different on Matt Salerno still not knowing how to run an in-cut? Where he just runs into a guy and then pushes off and comes inside. Thank God the ball didn't get thrown to him because it would have been another pass interference. How is it any different than Jaden Thomas missing blocks or not getting open? I mean, Jaden Thomas was out there for several snaps on Saturday. And you could barely notice him. He's not really blocking that great. They're not using yeah. him in the pass game. He's just a decoy. Okay. Yeah. Why does a freshman have a higher standard of like a sort of a higher burden of proof than the veterans? Why do the veterans get to make stupid mistakes and bad mistakes and lazy mistakes? And they get they're fine. You're gonna get back in there. But if a freshman comes in and God forbid he makes a mistake, we don't see him again. That that's the kind of trust crap that I'm sick of hearing about. Because why do you hold the 18-year-olds to a higher standard than you hold the guys that have been in your program for a while? And that's why Braden, that's why Tobias Merriweather doesn't play. And that's a mistake, in my opinion, because you didn't give him a ton of reps and practice. And he gets out there and you just use him as a blocker. And then he doesn't, you know, get in position on one particular play. And what happened was is Drew was kind of most trying to motion him and Zeke snapped the ball. And yeah. there was a miscommunication on the handoff or like a, the timing that was in off the handoff and are just kept it and ran around the edge, right? It's kind of what happened. Well, okay, Tobias messed up, but that's no different than Joe Wilkins messing up. It's no different than Josh Lugg messing up. It's no different than your your fifth-year senior captain messing up on a false start on third and five. It's no different than your fifth-year senior wide receiver and your quarterback who's a junior not doing what they need to do, which causes a third and one to turn into a third and six. It's no different than what you're seeing everywhere else. But for the freshman. The standard is apparently higher. He can't make mistakes because if he makes a mistake, he he's play. out. <clears throat> and that's the that's the mentality they have on offense right now. And it's got to change. It's got to change like a week ago. But it's definitely got to change now because the reality is, I would argue that two of your four most talented players on your offense basically just don't play. And when they have played, they've just been brought in to be blockers. And that's Eli Raritan and Tobias Merriweather. Right? And, yes, Tobias played. Okay, freaking get him in the field on the game more. Get him more reps in practice because right now you know what you have in Matt Salerno and you know what you have in Jaden Thomas, and it's not going to be good enough to beat Clemson. Right. It's not going to be good enough to beat USC. And so get him in there now and get him coached up and ready for those games. It's not going to be good enough to beat BYU, most likely.
2: Those guys' execution in the game isn't going to change if they get a few fewer reps during practice either, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So, you know, getting Merriweather some reps in, in practice will help him. But I don't see anything changing with those other guys. That if, if things are going to change, they just they need to change it themselves, right? It's not going to be about reps and practice.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it, it is about reps and practice because you can't expect the guy to. I, mean, I get what you're saying, Vince, but it's also about reps and practice because you need to get the young guy enough reps and practice that he can make that mistake on oh. Wednesday. Right. I'm, I'm saying I get what you're saying. Like, I know the right. guys won't. That's what right. I'm saying. Well, uh, they are getting the reps and still screwing up. Is my right. point. So I don't think so. It's gonna change. You know, let the young kid who's begging to get on the field play. You know, and that, but that's the stuff we've seen for twelve years, that previous twelve years, and I'm tired of it. Right? This is why your offense stinks right now. Let's be honest. It's not because your freshman made a mistake. It's because your veterans are making mistakes, multiple. So at least put the the kid who's clearly your most talented player at the position on right. the field.
2: Because my I mean? age, and with with wide receiver blocking wide receiver blocking yes it's about technique but it's
1: also about effort
2: it's 90%
1: it. effort. effort it's Vince it's 90% want to
2: yes wide receiver absolutely.
1: blocking is 90% want 90%. to and 10% yes. 5 5% knowing who to block and 5% technique sure. that's what sure. that's what receiver blocking
2: and is. they're not breaking down they're just kind of throwing a shoulder like that's just lazy to me yeah. I, it's just it's lazy blocking they're not even giving an yeah. effort I mean, right. how about you just shuffle your feet and get in the way? Like, you'd be more right. effective doing that than trying to lower right. a shoulder into somebody in open field. You know how easy it mm-hmm. is to get around somebody
1: who's just trying to lower a shoulder into yep. you? A, <laughs> yeah, fifth-year senior. Yeah, and that's the frustrating cool. thing. It was a fifth-year senior. Yeah. And there's there's also some, there's some other things going on, Vince, that you look at and you say, okay, well, like, the, this is happening with veteran players. You know, and and again, that's kind of part of my frustration. We're still seeing some of the same spacing issues. This is a play from Saturday Notre Dame player here, Notre Dame player there, Notre Dame player there. That's ridiculous. Uh, How do you have three guys from the hash to the numbers, basically on the same level, essentially? Right. Right. Like, how is this happening? and we saw this there's a couple times with the the other one of the tight ends would just kind of bend way inside on like a vertical and you're like dude you're standing right on top of the other tight end actually i think this is one of those plays no this is not this is salerno right here and this is a tight end right there so i and i think this is michael mayer so i think it was kevin bauman and matt salerno so i think salerno actually is right here but then this guy because i believe this is a verse the tight end brings that guy over like (laughs) if the tight end is here this safety has to be over here. Now, all of a sudden, Salerno has a nice nope. little window to get that ball thrown to him. Yeah. You know look what at I mean? The
2: nice look at the nice pocket that Drew has to yep. throw out of. He's got nowhere to put the football well, because the guys aren't running the right routes.
1: Vince, the ball was, where was the line of scrimmage here? The line of scrimmage is here, I believe. I think that's where the, the sticks are. Oh, I can't see the yard marker. But point is, the line of scrimmage is like somewhere here. Michael Mayer, your tight end is almost 20 yards downfield and Drew Pine still has this big old pocket back here. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Exactly. And, and if, if the tight, this tight end does his job and stays up here, you've now got this nice little window there to Matt Salerno to get him the football first down. Right. You you don't see, you should not be making this mistake in, in game three. And this is a junior and a, fifth year senior. Now, again, I don't think the fifth year senior is the one that made the mistake here. Matt Salerno made mistakes in other instances, but I don't think Matt Salerno was the one that made a mistake here. I agree. So uh, these are the type of things, Vince, that we continue to see too much of uh, for the Notre Dame offense. And now the good thing is we saw them make some plays. We saw the line get going. We saw the line get a push. We saw the run game stuff. We saw some well-designed things, but there was way too many missed opportunities and not nearly enough just attacking and pushing the ball down the field. And Notre Dame is not going to be able to nickel and dime their way in the pass game there. Cause here's, what's going to happen. They they run that, that those little slides, those little, you know, things where they're getting people wide open. Guess what? Teams are going to see that and defend it moving forward. Notre Dame on Saturday events went one of three on passes thrown beyond 20, uh, be, excuse me, beyond 10 yards, one of three. The only completion was to Chris Tyree on the touchdown. One of three, and you still want a football game, right? right? That's not going to be good enough to beat North Carolina and good enough to beat BYU and then all, all those other type of things. And, you know, so, uh, you know, those things have to get done. Those have, things have to get fixed. Somebody said that the analysis makes Stucky looks questionable. I don't know if you were paying attention there. That was a tight end that we were referring to there, okay? <laughs> right. And, again, it's not a receiver-coach problem, in my opinion, when your veterans are not blocking. That is as much of an offensive coordinator problem as a a receiver problem because the offensive coordinator has a big say on who's playing, okay? And just some of the things I've been told, the offensive coordinator has a big-time influence on who's playing right now on offense, and Mm -hmm. I'll just leave it at that, okay? So at the end of the day, the offensive coordinator, and Tommy Reese said it last – I'm just repeating what Tommy Reese said, and I believe Tommy Reese when he says these things. I take responsibility for this because I'm in charge of this thing, and he is. And so he's got to get those things fixed. And he's got to give, he's got to, he's got to say to Chancey Stuckey, we have got to get Tobias Merriweather going. I believe that Chansey Stuckey would like to play Tobias Merriweather. That's just my opinion. That's just, you know, based on some things I've heard. Not not that Chansey would do that, but just that that there's a level of trust there that Chansey has in, in Tobias. He'd like to get him play. And I don't think that exists with the offensive coordinator. And that's got that's gotta change. Because what's going to happen is, is they're going to see this top 100 receiver on your team, and Braylon James and Jane Greathouse are going to start saying, hold on a second now. Like, you're telling me I'm going to go play next year. Tobias can't get on the field, and this is what your offense is doing? Yeah, right. You know It'll what I mean? You so, field, You know? Yeah. Right. So those things have got to get better. Vince, let's talk a little bit about the defense here, because there are yeah. some things that we, uh, we want to get to from the Notre Dame defense yesterday. Stand let's back. just kind of talk first big picture. Of of what we kind of saw from the defense yesterday, the more I watched the film, the more I'm impressed. I was with the play of the Notre Dame defensive tackles. Yes, I mean, yes. In, and we saw this too. Gabriel Rubio got in the game for a few snaps yesterday, not a ton, but he got in the game on Saturday. He was physical. Chris Smith was physical. Uh, Jason Adamiola had a really good game. He looked. He had it looked like vintage vintage Jason Adamiola on Saturday, and we're finally yeah. finally getting a chance yeah. to see that a little bit. And uh you know, and then where we saw obviously Howard Cross just continues to do Howard Cross things, but the uh the play of of Jacob Lacy was really encouraging, and oh, it's what we've been waiting to see from him for a while, and honestly vince it, it's it really looks as simple as just it looked like he was finally healthy, mm-hmm. and that's really the big thing. He just looked like he was finally healthy, and so seeing that was really encouraging for me. Was we'll yeah. seeing the play of the interior because all we oh they're too small they're too small they're too small. Well, this was a far bigger interior offensive line than they have played up to this point in time in the season, and they whooped their butts for sixty minutes, the whole game. Yeah, absolutely, and yeah. it
2: and it was nice to see Isaiah Foskey get involved uh, as well when he's oh, yeah. kind of silent addition to this team the first two weeks. And I think I I think I read someplace that him and Justin Tuck had a chat you know, before the game, because mm-hmm. Justin was on campus, and he's like, dude, you just got to go out and play, you know, yep. don't you're overthinking it, just go play. And when he wanted to play yesterday, dude, he made plays. I mean, he made plays. And so he just needs to keep following up on that and being yeah. the guy that he is. And So that was at least refreshing to see that he wasn't invisible again.
1: I thought, Vince, you tell me if you agree or disagree with this. I thought he was pretty solid all game, run and pass. They didn't run a lot. Cal didn't run a lot, and they definitely didn't run a lot at him. They kind of ran away from him a lot. They ran towards the strong side a lot, so he didn't really see a lot of action but I thought this was the most consistent effort we've seen from Isaiah. And I don't mean effort like he wasn't playing hard in the past, but I think it's right. kind of what you said about Justin Tuck is he was thinking too much. He's like, okay, which yeah. move do I use here? Right. Make them stop your first move before you go to a counter. That's right. This is what I was saying last week when we were talking about baseball. You know, it's in high school. People say, why don't you throw a curveball or changeup? So, nobody hit my fastball. When they hit my right. fastball, I'll throw something different. Exactly. Same thing with Isaiah Foskey, and that's the right. analogy we use. Make them stop your first move first. Then your counter is much more effective. Yeah. And so we saw him do that. Yep. So I saw him do that on Saturday. And so he's got, got to carry it. Now, now you start stepping into a situation and where you say, Vince, like, okay, now you're in a situation where, okay, you had this big game. Now it's time to go out and say, build on it and know what people are going to be yeah. prepared to see, you know, that you're going to do, and then go out and fix it. Right. Yeah. But the big thing is, Vince, is what we saw was the defensive line was as good as I thought it was. There were some exceptions, and we're going to draw up a couple of those things. And this is something that's got to get fixed because they're going to play some quarterback. Jack Jack Plummer had minus double digit minus yards in the first two games, and he had eighty one. I think it was eighty one gained yards on Saturday, on scrambles. Not all of them on the defensive line. He had one ten plus yard scramble that was on a corner fire. Uh Not and some of it's on the linebackers. But we're gonna we're gonna kind of show an example of one of the thing one of the plays. And I'm just going to have Vince kind of talk through. I'm going to set the scene here real quick. This is a third and 12. Notre Dame is in a – it looks to me, Vince, like they were in kind of a two-man look is what I thought I saw. So you have man coverage here, Mm -hmm. right? Man coverage here, man coverage here, and man coverage here, and then two safeties deep playing over the top. Okay.
2: And everything was from my copy because you get the all 22, but from my copy, mm-hmm. everybody kind of was a, it was a vertical situation, all that, yeah, yeah. All verts, all absolutely. Yep. And, so, and then full- JD
1: Bertrand <laughs> is playing the back,
2: yes. Yeah, he's one on one with the back, no doubt about that. So, you want me to continue like, get to yeah, run the, the play? Okay, yeah. So, so this is a play where again, it was all verts, so that means the safeties are bailing, that means that the corners and all the other guys that are one-on-one, they turn their back because that's how you play one-on-one. I mean, you turn your back to the line of scrimmage and you play the eyes or the hands or whatever if the ball is in the air, that kind of a thing, but you turn your back, right? Which is why the scramble was so effective, right? So it's decent pass protection, okay? Decent pass protection. Uh, the, the linebacker, which is Bertrand, he is in charge of the running back. So the running back steps up, he moves to his right, okay, and he kind of leaks out a little bit, but not very much. And Bertrand just bites hard. He, he
1: doesn't on, really leak out as much, Vince. Yeah. He steps right up the point. pass pro, nobody comes, and then he just kind of steps across the line yeah. of scrimmage.
2: Right. He doesn't, yeah, exactly. But Bertrand was very worried about what that running back was going to do. And so he immediately steps to his left, right? So the offense is right, the defense is left. He steps you
1: know, into he, the line on third and 12. Yeah
2: right and here's what he needed to do right he needs to stay in the middle kind of eyeball the quarterback eyeball the running back because look if the if everything is covered deep which it must have been because plumber was it was
1: very well covered very well covered
2: keep an eye on your on the guy that you're in charge of right which is the running back but if he catches the ball and he gains five yards or whatever
1: keep him in front of you
2: Yes, you have an opportunity to make that play. It's 3rd and 12. you got plenty of room. 3rd and 12 from
1: their own territory, too. It's different if it's 3rd and 12 from the 40, and you don't want to just give them seven easy yards and then tackle them because now they're in two-down territory or field goal territory. Exactly. But it's field Field. awareness. And then also, Vince, you had a wide track here by Foskey, a wide track. Actually, that was Foskey. That's Adamiola. And then this guy kind of took a double team, and then Jason Adamiola went B-gap, and he went high. And that I was one kidding. of the other issues is you can't have three defensive linemen run past the quarterback level. Right. And that's what right. happened on this play too. So so Jason needs to stay low
2: on that. If your ends are going to go high, then your defensive tackles both have to stay low because right. then that allows the contain of the quarterback.
1: Right. You've got to take your rush to a certain point. And once you know that you're to the quarterback level, you've got to spin back inside Right. basically is what you need to do or stay or stop and say, you know, you've got to have enough awareness of where the quarterback is to say, "Hey, I've now run past the quarterback, correct?" And I yeah, need to come absolutely.
2: back. This so this play was a right.
1: twofold problem.
2: Okay, right. it was the linebacker biting on the running back too hard and get and taking himself out of the play, and then it was also the the lack of contain from the defensive line. Right. The quarterback speaks out right where
1: there was uh, just Jay- no purpose for him, Vince. That's what was first. There was no purpose to what J.D. Bertrand was doing.
2: Right. That, was that was third and
1: 12. Right. Like, time. why are you stepping down? Because here's the other thing with where this back is, why are you stepping down? Cause the, the thing I'd be scared of is him going here the way that that kid plays. Right. You know, like I want to stay here to be able to defend some kind of screen or some kind of swing. They're just, and we saw a lot of this from linebackers. They don't play with a lot of purpose. Right. Like exactly. they don't seem to like, they'll just kind of, even when they blitz, they just blitz and just run right into a guy like, Oh, I'm just going to run right into this guy. This is my gap. I'm going to run right into this guy. No thought of block destruction, no no part, no thought of taking a shoulder and trying to get to a shoulder. Right. This play right here, there was just no purpose to what he was doing. Like if you don't want him to want run a route and you want to trigger, then blitz. Right. Because if he blitzes, he's stepping into the A gap that was vacated by Jason's pressure in the B gap, and now you've got all the blitzes covered, and you force that back to step in, and then Jack Plummer's got to get outside, and then you have a little bit more of a chance of Foskey or somebody maybe getting off and chasing him, which they sure. did. That's another thing too. They didn't do is the defensive ends didn't do a good job of the outside contain on other plays. It wasn't an issue on this particular play, but it was an issue on other plays. Event, play Vince, right. and that I mean. Look, here's the deal. You take those two pl- – you take the quarterback scrambles away and oh. Cal maybe has 10 points. Right. Absolutely. Like, I mean, they just – they could do nothing. They could do I mean, nothing they in this
2: game. They st- so that was third and long, first down. Fourth and long, first down. I mean, yep. the scrambles were just at such inopportune times for the Notre Dame defense, and that – I mean, it killed them. It, it kept drives yep. alive. I mean, it was it was just not good. I <laughs> We talked about it you know, in the show and, and or, I mean, yeah, we talked about it in the show last night. We're sitting next to each other and you're like, if he scrambles for this for a first down, that fourth down, you're like, I'm leaving. And he scrambles for a first down. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like how, Mm -hmm. how does this continue to happen? You know what I mean? And so that has to get better. The the D line Mm -hmm. has to contain better, you know, just because you're not getting pressure on the quarterback, you still have responsibilities. That's what people I, I don't think understand. I think people in our chat are real smart. They probably get it. But what people don't understand is it's not just go get the quarterback, you know? You still right. have a responsibility if you're not right. involved in a sack. Go get you the quarterback
1: to... within the structure of the defense. Yes.
2: Right. Exactly. And so that that is something that they need to work on. There's no doubt. Now they were right. getting good pressure, especially up the middle, like you mentioned. I mean, I, I and thought they that dominated
1: was... the Cal offensive lineman. I mean, just no simple as that. Mis- the, the the losses were contained, missed assignments. It was never OG Cal blocked you well there, right. and the next couple of plays are going to be examples of that. And this is something that Notre Dame needs to fix now because yes. with North Carolina and BYU on their schedule, these this next play, for example, is going to be a big one, Vince. And this is a bubble screen. And wow. I said this to you beforehand, Vince. If I'm a team playing Notre Dame, I'm going to bubble screen you to death. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they just they, are, they they constantly leave themselves out this leveraged. One was frustrating. This one was and just. Yes, like so what Vince thought was, and we could be mistaken, well, one of us is. (laughs) It's one of two things. It's not one of us is, but there were two options we thought are possible here, and one of them is incorrect. But basically, there's like this little half fake here, and both linebackers kind of come like this. They either bite really hard on the fake, or (laughs) what I think is the case, they're coming on a double fire, right? And so then what happens is, is Cal just runs a bubble screen. Just simple as that. And they gain 10-plus yards, and it is the easiest 10-plus yards I've ever oh. seen a team get on a bubble screen. Yes. And this happens way too much. Like, I don't know why Cal doesn't go back to this more in this game, be honest with you. Now, this guy's got to do a better job of getting off blocks and just blowing this thing up. But no. even if you blow that up, look how soft you are here, and look how far you're coming here. I mean, you've got a blocker to account for those two guys, and this guy's got to come from 11 yards off the ball – and 13 mm-hmm. yards away from that guy right. in order to kind of get down there, like you're, you're not putting your defenders in a good position on that yeah. one. If you're right. going to play this guy this deep, then these guys need to be up tighter yeah. is my big thing. And everybody can't. Fighting play. Play. This, is, right.
2: this is saying throw ball. Like you got to – if you're a good offense, you check to this play. Like, I mean, right. it's, it's such a gimme that you check to this play.
1: And that yeah, was – This the, was on a second yeah. and one, Vince. Yeah. Yes, So it's not Correct. even like this was like third and 12. This is a second and one. Mm-hmm. Like This yep. this is in the first half. They had just run a corner fire. This is the play. So no, this is, excuse me, this is first and 10. This is, is the play after this corner fire where Cam Hart, it's uh fourth series, Vince. This is the play right after Cam Hart had the corner fire, or Clarence Lewis had the corner fire that he missed, and he didn't tackle the quarterback. Gotcha. This is the next play. And they just run a bubble screen for 11 yards. Yeah. And honestly, I am really surprised they didn't do this more. I I think that was a mistake by them. And not
2: not only were they playing such off coverage, the safety who is, you would think, responsible for the third receiver, his initial steps, and I get that a safety's initial steps are backwards, right? But he Mm -hmm. goes almost three and a half yards back, right? Before he realizes – I got to get downhill now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And again, he's 13 yards off. He's not going to be able to prevent a lot of it. But as soon as you see this guy leak out as a bubble situation, man, you got to be coming. And you got to come now. Mm -hmm. And especially if you've got, especially if you're right and the linebackers were doing, were, were you know, double firing, the safety has to come right now. Because normally I want my my linebacker, to kind of slow play that a little bit and then come over the top and be, and chase that down. Right. And then you allow mm-hmm. your safety to come down, et cetera, et cetera. But if you know that both linebackers are coming right now, you've got to get downhill faster oh. than that. So yeah, that was just a, that was too easy. It was too easy.
1: Here was, here's another mistake from the defense that I kind of think uh, shows the, the issues that they're having at linebacker to me, honest with the events. And this is a play that you and I talked about. Number one, This is a play where where Cal is in a 12 personnel. So, again, 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends. So here's tight end number one, tight end number two. They have Notre Dame out leveraged. Now, they're okay here, Vince, on the edge, but Notre Dame is in an eagle front, double eagle front, right? And that means basically you have a defensive lineman on the outside shade there, defensive. And I'm talking like old-school double eagle, not like the modern double eagle where you've kind of like four eyes where you kind of play a little bit of both. They're both here inside on the outside shade of the guard, and then a center here, and so Cal sees this and they simply run an outside zone here, and it makes it really hard, really easy to seal those. And then what makes it worse is you had a really, really bad run fit there from from Jack Kaiser, and this whole play was just kind of a mess. But you had two issues here. Number one, you had the defensive line out 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 leveraged. The problem is, as we talked about it last night. Linebackers have to make the defensive linemen right, and the DBs have to make the linebackers right when it comes to run fits. And what happens here is Jack just completely over-pursues the play and you know allows it to kind of cut back inside of him. And when those things are happening defensively, you're going to have problems. And it was just another example, of one of many, many examples of how bad the linebackers play. Because I'm going to say something now, Vin. I want to tell, you to tell me if you agree or disagree with me. After watching the film, it speaks volumes how well the Notre Dame defensive line and secondary are playing right now. It speaks volumes how well they're playing, that Notre Dame can be as good as they were on Saturday, for the most part, with how bad the linebackers played. You have to be pretty dominant on the first and third levels for that to be the case. No, that's that's the point. That's a good because point. Because
2: you have to work hard to mistakes. Handle. You have, I mean, you can have a really good linebacking core. And if your defensive front's no good, then they're you know, too many guys are going to be getting up into them, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. If your defensive front is really good and your linebackers are average, sometimes you can make up for that from a defensive line standpoint. But I felt like the safeties and the corners were helping to make up for some of the poor linebacker play. And that's not going to work against every opponent on Notre Dame's schedule. Mm-hmm. So that needs to get fixed fast, fast. And if that means, look, and I said at the beginning of the show, we're not talking about firing guys, you know, as far as like losing their positions and sure. all of that. Look, if that means bringing in some of these younger guys, let's see it.
1: I mean, I, I, I am kind of looking at that though. I, I do think we, you know, we need to have a conversation about whether or not some guys have played well enough to earn the spots they have, or at the very least, have they earned the number of reps that they have, that they're getting? Maybe that's a better way of saying it, right? Maybe I'm not talking about benching a lot of guys, but look, there needs to be that accountability in my opinion. And I just don't know if the answer is mass substitutions. And, and linebackers are especially a problem because, I, as I said last night, when your whole position group is not playing well, that's not, that's not a player problem only. That's as much of a coaching problem as anything, sure. if not even more so. So I, I know that the easy answer for fans is always blame the players. I get it, right? Oh, why is sure. Tobias playing? Oh, clearly he's not doing work. It can't be the guys making six and seven figures because they're smarter than everybody else, and we have to trust the coaches, and whatever they do is absolutely correct. And it's clearly that Tobias Merriweather isn't, isn't doing what he needs to do. That's clearly the problem, right? Okay, sure, whatever. Uh, you know, I, I, I get really tired of those things from people. Oh, the linebackers stink, bench them, put in new guys and everything is fine. Right? No, everything is not fine. Because the reality is, is your linebackers are not playing well. All of your linebackers are not playing well. And when sure. all of your linebackers are not playing well, that goes way deeper than a coaching problem, way deeper than a coaching problem. And until that gets fixed, this is gonna. This is gonna continue to happen, Vince, yeah. and that's what people need to understand and appreciate. Is this particular position isn't as much about as a okay, hey, fix the coaching, as much as it is. I mean, fix the players as much as it is fix the coaching. Because again, sure. name me a linebacker right now is playing well.
2: Yeah, I can't. I can't.
1: Like you can't. When that's happening across the board, this goes way deeper than. Way deeper than okay, your linebackers aren't playing well. Yeah, way right. deeper than if that.
2: If they're gonna be, if they're gonna compete at an elite level defensively, I'm not even talking about the team as a whole. I'm just talking about defense. If they're gonna compete at an elite level, they need to get better because we've seen the secondary play at pretty elite level or getting close or approaching an elite level. We've seen the defensive line start to approach an elite level. Right? I haven't seen that step right now from the defensive line that's the biggest problem for me so if this whole if this defense as a whole is going to be playing at an elite level then the the linebackers have to step up period and if that's a coaching situation if that's a player situation it needs to get figured out right now because they're about to play a pretty prolific offense here next week where if the linebackers
1: don't play well
2: I mean they're going to be lighting up the scoreboard like it's like they're in Vegas I mean going to be well you
1: know, i don't weird. i don't know about that because if if the linebackers could play poorly and they could hold ohio state to 21 points they can keep north carolina down enough but here's 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 where i'll agree with you, events you now put a lot of pressure on your d-line and your line in your secondary to play great and you can't keep asking your secondary to play great week after week after week eventually they're going to have an off game sure they will yeah. every great unit every unit does i don't care how good you are how bad you're Alabama's offense last year scores almost 50 points a game all year. Then they go play Auburn and they can't score a point for like 50-some minutes, right? Mm -hmm. Every team has a bad game. The minute that the Notre Dame secondary has a bad game, this team is in big, big trouble. Big, big trouble, the way that the linebackers are playing. So so I understand the point you're making, and I think you're being a bit hyperbolic, but like realistically, they can keep Carolina down enough to win the game, assuming their offense wakes up. But what if this is the week that the that the secondary has a bad game? They're right. playing a really good offensive coordinator, Phil Longo. Yeah. This is the this is the best offensive mind they've faced since Ryan Day. And Phil Longo can score some points, right? I mean, you know, so does Notre Dame have the personnel up front to dominate the line? Do they have the per, per, personnel in the secondary to keep this thing, you know, to keep the points down enough? Yeah, sure. But this defense, this offense more than the others, is going to attack the linebackers. Cal did not attack the linebackers almost at all. Right. Except for, like, you know, lining their running back out wide and having them run go routes, and they missed one and didn't throw another. Right? North Carolina is going to say, we're going after eight, we're going after 27. In the second half, we're going after 52, we're going after 24. Because they haven't stopped anybody all year. I agree. And if they don't play well, Carolina will score, but you can do enough to keep the points down to still win the game, assuming your D-line and secondary plays great again. But the line... Pardon me. The linebackers got to stop putting him in that situation, Vince. That's Vince. We got two super chats. We're going to get to Streamyard is, is acting funky tonight. Both of yeah. our connections are a little, little jacked up. That's not on us. That's a stream yard issue. I don't know what their problem is. It's annoying. Yeah, so we're going to wrap this up soon because I don't like the quality the, of, of this right now, and it's, it's frustrating me. But we did have two Super Chats that I did want to get to, and I wanted to thank all of you for being a part of the show tonight. It's, uh, it was a great, great crowd tonight. Yes. But I do want to get to these super, two Super Chats. We have one from here from um, uh, Martin N- N- Uh Thank you for the Super Chat, Martin, very, very much. This is uh, recruit usher 32 Linebackers look fast. Look lost, excuse me. No read step, run fit angles, etc. Agree with all that. Uh, what does our linebacker rover rotation look like with J- J- uh, JD Bertram being out for the first half? Lastly, do linebackers have too much on their plate? God bless and go Irish. Thank you, Martin. So I agree with Aaron. They look lost, no read steps, bad run fits, bad run fit angles. Just the, the embarrassing plays that we, I mean, they were embarrassing. What we saw from Maris chasing Jack Plummer and then Bo Bauer, a fifth year senior, falling for that paint, paint, pump fake. Reminding me of Carlo Calabrese doing that against Matt Barkley back in 2011. You remember that? Yes. So just No reason for that at all. And and so, to me, that's all a problem. I think Bo Bauer steps into the starting lineup with J.D. out, and I would imagine Junior Chilomaca is the number two guy. Yeah, a good point uh, I, we, might, we might see some stuff with Jack Kaiser, especially against Carolina when they're in their 11 and 10 personnel. I think we'll see some stuff where Maris and Jack Kaiser are both inside and they go nickel. I think we'll see that as well. So it's not just Bo playing, but I think we'll see more of Jack Kaiser inside, which hasn't been great last couple of weeks. To be completely honest with you, but that's not a shot on Jack because they're all playing poorly. Right, but I think we'll see more of that in this game too. Uh, do the linebackers too much on the plate? I think that's I think that right there, Martin, is getting to the heart of the issue. Right there, right. It's, Jack it's, of all trades,
2: yeah. master of none, and we we've right. kind of talked about that in the past because if you look at the linebacker depth chart. You, you've got the same three guys or four guys everywhere, first and second team. Like It's just like they're all cross-training. And and, and when you look at it as a whole, yeah, it's great to have guys be multi-positional and all of those different things. That's great. You're recruiting them. But we need these guys to be really good at one position. And they're not right now. I I, I do feel like that's part of it. I, I agree. I think they've got two much on their plate. Yeah.
1: You know? Last thing here before we go, because this is just getting frustrating. D-Win5 and Super Chat, thank you. goes, just curious why our our defensive, offensive and defensive coordinator position groups are two of the worst on the team. Too difficult doing both a position coordinator. I'll give Big Al a break seeing how it's his first year, but Tom Reese, come on, man. I am going to – okay, so Al, as a position coach, obviously the linebackers aren't playing well. I think Al Golden's done a pretty good job in two of the three games. I mean, a really good job in two of the three games schematically. I didn't like what they did against – Marshall, but what I have heard from several sources is they kind of switched their game plan midweek. Mm-mm, big no no in college, in my opinion. Yeah. And that we saw the result of it. I was told this that did not happen this week. And I, I thought the defensive game plan Saturday was very good. I mean, you could always pick a call here, a call there. That's true everywhere. But I thought for the most part, the defensive. Game plan was very good on Saturday. Very good. We saw adjustments for things that had hurt them the week before against Marshall. We saw them adjust some things, more, be more aggressive with their coverages, take away the quick game. We saw them turn the defensive line loose. All that stuff is is positives, right? Now, yes, the position coach wise, yeah, that's a problem. Now, is that because Al Golden is not is is causing issues? Yeah, I think part of it is because there is too much on. He is he's got a little bit too much in, right? I think for the linebackers have a little bit too much on their plates. Uh, but I would not call it a worst or a weakness situation. The linebackers have got to play better. There's some coaching things happening that are causing the linebackers not to play well. But as a coordinator, I think Al Golden's done a really good job, really good job so far. Now, you know, from a development thing, he's – and D-Win said I'm speaking in player development. Quarterback I agree with. Linebacker I don't necessarily agree with yet. I mean, Al Golden's, like you, like you said, th- three games, right? Right. Right. You so, really talk about. Development. Yeah, I think just, the issue there isn't so much development. It's the mental part of asking them to do too much. I think if you scale back that, I think the, I think if you adjust and take a little bit off their plate, I think you'll start to see them play better. I do. You know, I, I I do believe in that. I do. So we'll see. You know, we'll see. But yeah, you you can't have coordinators who their position groups not playing well. You can't do that. And if yeah. you're going to do that, you need to restructure your your situation to where they're not having the coach position. Or find coaches that can do both.
2: And and remember, there's only X amount of coaches that you can have. So you're, you're, you can't just go hire a bunch of people, you know, to, to take that burden off their plate. It's almost like you've got to rob Peter to pay Paul, right? You have to take something right. away from somewhere else if you don't want them coaching a position. So that right. is something you have to think about, too.
1: All right. That's going to do it for tonight's show, everybody. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Ryan and Vince will be back to or Ryan and Sean will be back tomorrow at one o'clock for the recruiting show, and they will talk some college football week one. Vince and Sean, Vince, will you be on with Sean tomorrow night at six o'clock? So tomorrow night at six p.m. Eastern is IB Nation Sports Talk. That'll be uh, Sean Stiers and Vince D'Addario, this guy right there. I'll be on that. I'll be back Tuesday. We're going to start we're going to start dive right into North Carolina stuff on Tuesday. So we're gonna have a lot going on uh, with that. I'll be here in the home office Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. But I am flying home to Virginia on Wednesday evening. So the Thursday and Friday shows will be from my Virginia office, which is a.k.a. my parents dining room uh, <laughs> where I did some shows this summer. I'm going to go see my family for a couple of days before I head down to North Carolina for the game. So, and that's where I'll be for our post game show on Saturday as well. So, for events on Brian, everybody, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell. Please share this podcast if you're listening via podcast. I would really a- greatly appreciate it if you gave us a five star review. Sign up for the message boards at boards at Try all the stuff, trade coffee, give it a shot. You'll love it. My wife genuinely loves it. I got my mom hooked turned on to it now. Uh, Bill Bars, use the Irish Breakdown promo code to get 10% off your entire purchase. You also have the IB merch store, all that good stuff. we got a lot going on in Irish Breakdown, so check it all out. For Vince, I'm Brian, y'all. Thank you so much for being on the Irish Breakdown podcast.